Grizzly Abner, and I am joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy, Jason the McRib McCullough. Oh, <laughs> Jason is here with us again. I don't know in which order these will appear or air, but Jason is here with us for a whole recording cycle, which we record three episodes when we get together. So who knows? Maybe He's here this is a whole first. week with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay in there, Jason. One more episode, and then you can put your clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> We've got him locked to the <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to do this much stuff when I joined a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we are back here with you tonight to bring back our second installment of a new format that we've been workshopping called Monster Peace Theater. Real original, I know. Uh, theater. 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 And so what we've done is we've taken films that we've mentioned in several other, several other episodes, and now we're just giving them just kind of a full on loving treatment because these are some of our favorites and they deserve just a little extra attention. They wouldn't pop up on other stuff to get full recognition. So here we are. Uh, Todd, what two films are we covering on Monsterpiece Theater this evening? Uh, this evening we have Silver Bullet, Stephen King, and Shaun of the Dead. Heard of them? You heard of them? What a treat. What a treat. Just what a treat. Uh, where shall we begin? Uh, Silver Bullet. Okay, hit us with some dates and details. Silver Bullet, 1985, uh, directed by Daniel Attias and written by Stephen King, based on his book, Cycle of the Werewolf, uh, starring Corey Haim, Megan Follows, Gary Busey, uh, Everett McGill, Terry O'Quinn. Okay, pretty solid little Who's, who's the Busey guy? I never heard of that guy. Pronounced... Gary Busey. Or Bussy. <laughs> or Bussin'. I'm overstimulated right now. <laughs> Do you remember meeting Gary Busey? I was kind of scared. Yeah. I'm never usually scared of celebrities. I was scared of the price, <laughs> so I didn't meet him. I, he just, I was afraid he was going to bite me. <laughs> well, you had me take your picture, and I was like, man, I just thought a flash was going to go off and he was going to attack me. Yeah. There's one before he realized what we were doing where he's looking off, but it looks like he's glaring right at my face next to me. It's terrifying. He ended I up being a nice guy, the same con, the Days of the Dead. Yeah, yes, yeah. we met him at uh, he showed up really late. Louisville, I think yeah. his kid was there, too. Oh, Jake, Jake, right? yeah, Jake yeah. was there. Oh, nice. <clears throat> Frightener. Yeah, yeah. Where he was doing his Starkweather story. Yeah. So, yeah, Silver Bullet, no surprise for most of us. Not only one of our favorite <laughs> films, also one of our favorite werewolf films always comes up in conversation. Um, I just, I can't put into words how much I love this movie. <laughs> like, 
Uh, we covered American Werewolf in London last time. Also another big favorite of all of ours. Sure. But, uh, yeah, this movie is really just a treat. This has been a, a family favorite for me since I was little. I mean, like, it's always been a big deal. The only movie I've mentioned, especially around Todd, that can compete with this for most watched is Halloween for me. I mean, I've seen Silver Bullet that much. It's just always been one of the tops. I think I I first saw it within the last 10 years. Um, I watched it. My kids started getting interested in horror a couple years ago. He's 14 now. So this is one of the ones I kind of let him into horror movies on. And he'll now that he's 14, he'll no-sell me on a lot of shit. Like, nothing <laughs> I do is cool. But uh, I was watching Silver Bullet the other night, and he walked in. He goes, what are you watching? And I said, Silver, Silver Bullet. And he said, that's a good movie. So, like, it, <laughs> he wasn't trying to no-sell me on it. Stuck it with surprised him. surprised me. Some praise from him. Yeah. He, he's a little hard on the movies. In general, with the old school eighties, like he's got uh, no, he's got no problem saying what he thinks is bad. No, that's so the for fact sure, that yeah. he's giving it praise, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. History. Uh, it's, it's I've seen this movie a hundred times, probably or more. It's one of my favorites. You guys awesome. asked me what my top ten was. It was, def- I mean, that was hundred percent in there. I love this movie. You were in good company. <clears throat> so when I met Gary Busey, I thought, okay, I'm getting him to sign something silver bullet. Uh, and he had no 8 by 10s of Silver Bullet. <laughs> Not even that one where he's no. doing that dopey smile looking over his shoulder? No, no. no. I ended up with Predator 2 is what I had to settle oh, for, man. which is sad. I lucked out when I met him. He had a uh, 8 by 10 with uh, him sitting with Corey Haim that I had him oh, sign. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I didn't think to take anything with me that you know I could have took a DVD or something. Did he underestimate but... how many people were going to want a Silver Bullet autograph at a horror convention? That's what yeah. we were like. It's a horror convention. You got no horror eight by tens. What are you doing here? It's like he, you have like four different Family Guy caricatures of you <laughs> up here to sign, but he said, nothing from Silver. My life is horror. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, history. Uh, I I think I watched this movie whatever pay channel we had. Um. It was just on late one night. I don't think anyone was around. I watched it by myself, and it scared the shit out of me. Um, I feel like this movie always... It, this was like Salem's Lot. That whoever It always came on all the time, but at certain points, like no one's around, and it's late at night, so both enough to, to scare the, the bejesus out of me. Um, so, yeah, I probably saw it a couple years after it came out, because it took a while to come on to uh, pay channels back then. Um, yeah, I've always liked Silver Bullet, but yeah, it even, this even dates back to, this is just a random personal story. Uh, I used to have issues with my temper growing up at times <laughs> and I had, had lost my shit over something, that gotten in trouble. Anyways, my dad <laughs> on the flip side, uh, I remember him giving me cycle the werewolf and putting some kind of writing in there about, you know, don't let anger transform or something like that but that's how far back this dates like this has always been a big deal to me so i'm very excited to cover it i think we i know we mentioned on the werewolf episode and probably a stephen king roundtable it's just one of those ones where it's been brought up a couple of times but it was time i like that you shared that story about the cycle because uh when i got my first period (laughs) my mom also gave me a copy Now, plug it up she she gave me the cycle of the werewolf and carrie (laughs) Now, a fun thing that... Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you in part by Tampax. There when you need it. <laughs> uh, another fun fact that we have mentioned on other episodes is that every Christmas, 
professor and I will do a two-man stage act of uh, Silver Bullet because we have the entire script committed to memory oh, yeah. uh, for our friends and family. When we go through the quick summary of this, it's going to take everything in me to not overdo that. <laughs> keep it normal. So, you might want to hit a quick pitch. Yeah, we can do that. Um, the movie opens up uh, basically with an attack scene. We've got uh, the town drunk Hardy Westrom out on the tracks walking, and it's it's a really great open um, with with him out um, walking along there, talking to himself, singing his uh, Ryan Gold beer song. <laughs> yeah. uh, bitter, not sweet. But see, I'm starting already. Uh, but we get the attack there. It's a great open, and then it uh, goes into talking about Tarker's Mill, where it's set, and the murders uh, that that took place in the town, and how it kind of gripped the small place. Um, and and then we proceed to lay out kind of the small community uh, with the town square get together um, and our, our main characters, uh, Marty and his sister, Janie. And uh, they've also got Uncle Red, which we meet a little bit later. Uh, but, I mean, basically, without going beat for beat through the plot, it, we, we lay out a serial killer style vehicle for a werewolf movie. And that's why I love this movie so much. No other werewolf movie has ever done this. Usually it's just random chaos when they transform whereas this plays on some of those classic tropes for why people like those movies where you're in the small town and don't know who's doing it um the first attack where we really play out with the victim uh, we've got a woman that we see during the town meeting off to the side trying to plead with a guy who's knocked her up would you like to bring up his wonderful lines to her (laughs) You got a bun cooking in the oven, but it ain't mine. Yep. Remember the good times. He's walking away. <laughs> um, so la- later that evening, we've got her on the second floor in her bedroom, uh, and she's basically getting ready to kill herself. Um, she's talking about suicides, going to hell, and they're pregnant, and it's it's going a, to hell twice. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty intense scene, um, and one that not only visually affected me as a kid, but also the idea of it because we watch the POV of the werewolf go up like the, the what on the what that is trellis there to yep. get up to the second floor. And I was like, holy shit, you're not safe on the second floor? Like this thing's climbing <laughs> up here to jump through the window. But this thing's ferocious. It jumps through the window and just proceeds to shred her all over the bedroom. And the imagery they show with her at the end of it, uh, laying on the bed on her back, when the mom comes in, just blood everywhere. That shit scarred me as a kid. So thoughts kind of on that first act and setup. I like that her mom is strapped. Yeah. She hears the, the noise upstairs. <laughs> she runs to the bureau or the the roll-top desk. She's like, let me stop playing this religious jam on the piano. <laughs> yeah, she's like, let me get this 38 special and light somebody up. Yeah. Do you think that gun's in between a cassette of Reba and her... <laughs> What did I call that earlier? A hillbilly fanny pack? <laughs> yes. Because I'm looking sure. over there at your Reba purse. <clears throat> Satchel. Satchel. <laughs> but yeah, uh, from there, basically, we play it out through Marty, our main character, who is a uh, child living in a motorized wheelchair. Uh, the Silver Bullet is what the movie is titled after his vehicle. Uh, and we basically go through his experience and how it's affecting him and the town that he's in. Um Eventually, we have people close to him that are killed, including his friend. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, like it's tempting to, to go way too in depth on the on the. I think that's on this. the scene that got me because I was. That's just every Stephen King as a kid, because he loves killing children. 
but uh, his friend's playing with a kite, and then the next scene is the the I think the police officer's walking with it's a happy face kite and just covered in blood, and he's reciting the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. That one I mentioned. Oh no, when, he's doing a hail mary. When we've discussed this before, I mentioned being a parent that <clears throat> that scene hits me in a different way than it would have when I was younger. Kind of like Pet Cemetery, like when you. Like, Gabe walks out there and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Love that movie, but after having kids, you're like, oh. Uh, yeah. It really hits you. Yep. And then Professor always likes to make fun of the guy's scream when he finds his dead kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, yeah. We, can we hear that? I've never heard that. Ah! <laughs> 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 I was trying to get a little space from the mic. <laughs> Spot on. It is good. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you get some fun stuff with, um, you know, they're they're going to get some private justice, you know, and they're wanting to go out and, and be a... Evil dies tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, with some mob justice and, you know, there's the... Which, that's a scary scene, too. Are you talking about where they're in the woods and the fog? And that the, is, oh, yeah. That scene, every time I watch that movie, I, I don't know if I... I wouldn't say I forget about it. But when I see it, I'm always impressed with how fucking good that scene is out in the fog. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're making lemonade in your pants, Bobby. <laughs> oh, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole makeup of the town is, is so good. Yeah. And really kind of underrated for it. Um, there aren't weaknesses in that sense. You kind of get almost this Mayberry vibe with them without it being at their expense. I mean, yeah. It's just a small town. But it really serves the movie. It's, uh, is it Lawrence Tierney is the bar owner? Yes. Yeah. He's a great, great character. He's got the, the Peacemaker baseball bat. You boys don't turn down your thermostats. <laughs> <laughs> That's a prop I'd love to have. Like that, that would hang it up above your mantle would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That bat would be great. But then that scene out in the fog where, oh, you know, the wolf is uh, slashing away. Or no, he's got the hand with the bat. And then you got the wolf hand with the bat. <laughs> You can't see anything from the waist down. You know there's something moving down there. Like, mm-hmm. It's such a good scene. Such and also, randomly, scene. really painful to watch the two guys get deal with the bear trap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they oh, get yeah. distracted and it clamps back on his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the dream, when they're talking about private justice, you know, oh. the... the, the, the priest or what is it with werewolf movies and dream sequences yeah right last one we just talked about with american werewolf um yeah uh reverend lyle has a fever dream of uh everyone in the the church turning into werewolves and that's an awesome scene uh, mm-hmm. especially with the organist just pounding yes. away on the organ <laughs> as a werewolf and werewolf corpses coming out of the caskets oh. especially because this movie you don't get a whole lot of transformation I, I feel this like, movie. I was gonna say too. I feel like when people do talk crap about this movie, it is the effects, which this movie has really good effects, especially great, for the time. Period. Great like, practical, effects. great effects. I'm not crazy about the end result. Look at the werewolf. I agree. That's it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, for me, you got a big teddy bear head on it. Like, yeah. I'm not crazy about that. But other than their design, Carlos Rambaldi uh, had a, a frequency for not following through on his on his oh, work. Some mm-hmm. some interesting creations, but not always the. Strongest end result. Um, anything else before we kind of jump into the, the big movements? Um, so, yeah, we kind of play it out with the, the small town murder mystery. We, we pick off some people here and there that we've affected. And so kind of the, the turning point for the movie is um, Uncle Red, played by Gary Busey, uh, to cheer up 
our main character, Marty, gets him fireworks. Fireworks have been canceled under the circumstances with everything that's been going on. There's a pandemic. Yes, <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he get he gets him fireworks just to, to kind of cheer him up. He's gotten him this new... Uh, silver bullet that he that he souped up and souped built for him. Up, yeah. I built this for you because I love you. And um, and so naturally, what would you do if your best friend has been slaughtered and left in a gazebo in a park? Uh, you know, a matter of nights later, I'd go sneak to, out in the I'd, middle of the night by yourself. I would take my paraplegic ass out, <laughs> not tell anyone where I was going in climb, the middle of the night. Climb down from the second floor, yeah. yes, and and just head out. Um, so that's what we do. We sneak out in the middle of the night with fireworks and we've got him out on a bridge seemingly in the middle of nowhere. Uh, when in reality, fun fact, that's like just feet away from the gazebo. It's in the middle of the same little park, <laughs> Wilmington. Uh, but so he's out there firing fireworks and our werewolf finds him and charges at him on the uh, bridge, which side note, this has a very good score. The score to this is underrated it makes a big difference with the movie and especially in this sequence um but the the wolf charges at him and he fires the firework and strikes the wolf in the eye and so now now we've got something to figure out who it is we've got something distinguishable that they're not going to be able to hide and so we immediately jump into a oh, and nobody's buying marty's bullshit Right about it being a werewolf. Yeah, nobody, not his good pal Uncle Red. Nobody is <laughs> right. believing this shit. And with a lot of movies, there's a lot of stuff spelled out for you, and you're like, Jesus, what does it take to get you to believe this? I understand. Yeah, when, when the kid's like, Yeah, it's all werewolf in the park, might not jump right on that. But they do a great sequence uh, with his sister going out uh, on a bottle drive, collecting around the town, so she can just see everybody. Because she's looking for a one-eyed person because yes. he hits a werewolf in the eye with a firework. And it is so good. I mean, they do little things like she goes in the barber shop and lifts the towel off the one guy's face who's in there getting the hot towel treatment and everything. And so you you go through the community uh, one by one. And, it, and it's done in a way that it doesn't drag out too long, but it's suspenseful. And uh, it's you know there's no luck. She gets back uh, with, with the bottles she's collected at the church. And as she does, we see that our reverend is out digging up flowers and his eyes bandaged. Ah! <laughs> Everett McGill, who also would uh, um, ironically be married to a woman in an eye patch in Twin Peaks a few yeah. years later. Huh. Did he did he have an eye patch and people under the stairs? No, because he was just covered in No, but I, I, I always <laughs> expect to show up and see Robert dressed as uh, in full attire with an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> I did that for Halloween one year. So then we go to Uncle Red with a solution because that's the adult they feel that they can relate to because he's kind of the, the social outcast kind of as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, you know, the chronic drunk, as they say in the movie. But uh, that's the last act of our film is we've figured out who it is and Uncle Red finally teams up with them. It's a great sequence with them pulling in together to make a silver bullet for them to have. And we have a pretty intense showdown at home on Halloween uh, when they wait. It appears to me that Gary Busey was doing some stunts. Oh, when he's, he's getting, getting thrown around the room. Yeah. Oh yeah, he uh, he did all his own stuff there. It, that shit's crazy. <laughs> like that thing takes down the whole wall. And that was pre that was pre uh, motorcycle accident. Gary Busey. I think we should point out too that was willing to be thrown. Maybe this still. is what did it. <laughs> still had all his bits. Yeah. Maybe this is what did it. Yeah, I love that they go, they say, well, they found a particular 
uh, gunsmith that was uh, versed in the old ways or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, he talked about, oh, silver bullet, huh? Good for werewolves. Yeah, because <laughs> Red's like, yeah, my nephew's just discovered the Lone Ranger. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, but you know you can kill a werewolf with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like low-grain powder so it won't tumble. <laughs> There's another thing I forgot to mention, too, a great sequence where the Reverend gets him out on a country road chasing oh, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And gets him cornered in a covered bridge. Yeah. And he's walking through there. He's like, you meddling little shit. But it... <laughs> And that's when they get Gary Busey to believe him because his paint from his car yeah. is matches one. what's on the silver bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, you know, another thing too is that it doesn't follow like exactly like the cycle, like the cycle of the werewolf, you know, the book. But it does right. go through the seasons. Yes. So it's 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 fun because it's like something you can watch in the fall or you can watch in the summer because you get those vibes throughout the film. Because it takes time. And I think that's another neat part about it is that so many werewolf movies are pretty cut and dry short amount of time. Like within the same lunar cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is this is over the span of months. I can't stress enough, the small town murder mystery kind of serial killer approach to it is what makes this movie. That's what's unique about it. Jason, would you like to add something? <laughs> well, I think what doesn't get talked about enough that I love is the narration. Like that's there's a very few movies that I love the narration in, but this one and maybe it's just nostalgia, but I love how she tells the story mm-hmm. going through that really got me hooked into it when I was a kid. Yeah, totally and good. kills and everything that goes on, she just does it spot on. Which is something very Stephen Kingish. True. A yeah. lot of us good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really doesn't have a weakness other than the design on the werewolf could have been better, but by and large, yeah, and that's easy to overlook. Yeah. Yeah, because as a kid, like when you watch like, a cartoon with a werewolf in it, it looks like that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and uh, I was trying to think of the case. isn't Silver Bullet tied? Isn't it the same copper or something from Dead Zone? And that's Cujo in Dead Zone. Okay, <clears throat> maybe I was just thinking Silver Bullet. All right, Silver Bullet. Just, what a jam! It's so good. Yeah, it is so good. Just. So much fun. And, Lots uh, of funny stuff. Uh, like we said, the one-liners, you know, Uncle Red. Uh, I'm a little too old to be playing Hardy Boys meets Reverend Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good movie. Um, and Game weird, managers. Weirdly, I will say, because uh, some of our movies that we talk about in our Monsterpiece Theater didn't do so well, but this one was made for 7 mil, and it made $12 million, Wow. So it did make a little bit of money. Nice. I th- I recommend this to anybody. Yeah, you yeah, gotta watch this. Yeah, if you suck, skip it. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's man the it, jam. It's surprisingly, it gets a little bit of hate on the internet. Like if you really, yeah, it gets a yeah, little which bit cracks crazy. me up. So I'm like, oh yes, I guess just go ahead and turn to the long list of great werewolf movies you have to enjoy. I'm sorry that this didn't meet the ground. I was gonna say, it, did you just have a howling flashback? Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say too. It's uh, usually the same people also that hate like Halloween Four, H Two O, laughing. Yeah, or, or good Exorcist is a bad movie. Like yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't like this, just watch Howling Seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boot scooting Howling. Howling. All right, still the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, good, good, good conversation, good stuff. What's up next on the agenda? Next, we have Shaun of the Dead, two thousand and four, written and directed by Edgar Wright, also written by Simon Pegg, and starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Man, you talk about something that was groundbreaking when it came out 
You know, like, people are like, it's not groundbreaking. It just it borrows from George Romero. Da, 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 da. No, like, this was a British zombie film that came out in 2004 in the middle of the next, the, the um, I don't know. This is pre-Walking Dead. Pre-Walking, uh, well, the show. You know, it's right around the time that the comic came out. That don't count. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, it was before the phenomenon. Yeah, before that the masses. Yeah, everybody was a zombie fan. Well, this yeah. this is big one because I think this is the same year as Dawn of the Dead. Well, I was going to say twenty eight days Dawn later. Twenty eight days later. So this is the this is the beginning of the revival yeah. era of zombies, and like there definitely wasn't. I can't think of many comedy horror. Also, that, yeah, that too. Yeah, unless you were just just goofy spoofs. Well, yeah. it's a hundred percent. Made by fans, like you can tell, that's a horror movie made by horror movie fans. Yeah, they love that. They love the zombies. Well, and I, I think that's why people, because uh, there's a uh, a lot of small details in this movie mm. that uh, even rewatching it last, I rewatched it last night, and just probably stuff I've picked up before. But I'm like, man, like even just some of the dialogue and stuff that that just kind of pulled. They reference like 15 or 16 it's horror movies nuts. in that. It's crazy. Yeah. You got Even like Bubba's Pizza's next door to the, the the gas station. There's all sorts of references. When I know uh, Romero got such a kick out of it that don't both of them have cameos in Land of the Dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and you know, e- even right down to like where they're flipping through the channels and it's doing <laughs> That's uh, song lyrics, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and putting that together with, uh, you know, what's happening, but they won't right. say they won't say the Z word. Don't say, don't mm-hmm. say it, you know. Um, and it's, and it doesn't pull any punches. It's a British film. Like they don't try to tone it down for an American audience and make it like American humor. No, it's British humor. And like, even like from then till now, in almost a span of 20 years, as I, as I watch more British TV and cinema, I go back and watch this, and I get more jokes that I didn't get before because I didn't get that style of humor. Because you didn't know how to speak English. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. They, they, they don't sacrifice anything to make it uh, more accessible for the markets oh, they, like it's it's its own movie they don't even sacrifice that uh there's some there's some heavy moments in the movie too so oh yeah so you've got sean <laughs> and sean is a <laughs> lovable loser right sean's kind of stuck in a dead-end job uh, uh a relationship that just say be- feels like a zombie yeah, he's weird. he's oblivious to everything in his relationship, in what's going on in the world <laughs> with his family. Everything. Yeah, like you know, he's stuck in a stagnant relationship because he's not doing anything to keep moving it forward, and his girlfriend is finally getting fed up with it. He's got his even bigger loser of a friend <laughs> crashing on the couch, and that's starting to piss off his real roommate who pays the bills, and he's just not getting his life together, and he gets dumped. And he and his buddy Ed go out to go for a big drink at the Winchester so that he can get over her. And uh, on the way home from the Winchester, things start to seem a little amiss. <laughs> we got a fun uh, sequence with uh, white lines. And then they get home, and the next morning he gets up and he's going about his normal business, but things are strange. Well, zombie apocalypse has begun. <laughs> and so it's fun that like literally when you watch the beginning of the film, you see the people in those opening in that opening montage that are later going to be important zombies 
in the story. Mm-hmm. And then it, they almost shot for shot redo what his morning routine is. <laughs> but you can, you as the viewer can start picking off that little things are off. Where Sean is so oblivious. Mm-hmm. So oblivious to his life, he doesn't because even Because he's notice. kind of a shoegazer. And yeah. <laughs> he, he's hung over in the second time you see him. But he's just somebody who's just kind of blundering through life. Oh, one of the first things I always think about with this movie is is that brilliant approach in that whole first third of the movie where we do shot for shot with all that so that you can see the differences but man it makes for such a good laugh specifically when he opens that door with the bloody handprints and slips on the blood and doesn't realize that he's just slipped on blood a little bit as he's going up to ring up yeah i mean all of that was a build-up so that you can piece together just the little nuances and that's the difference with humor over there and here. Yeah. Like they're not hitting you over the head with it. It's shot for shot going through his life. Oh, it's so good. Well, that zombies are real close to him. And like, you think, Oh, I might get attacked. And he's like, I don't even have any change for you, man. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a change enough for the shopkeeper. (laughs) Yeah. And so as it slowly dawns on him, that something's going on, um, there's a girl in the garden. It's <laughs> a girl out back. They start throwing records at her trying to stop her. Because they think she's drunk. <laughs> she's so drunk. <laughs> and, um, she tries to attack them, so they shove her off. And she falls backward onto a, a, a broken off pole yeah. that goes straight through her body. And then she stands up off of it. <laughs> And that's when it really sinks in. Yeah, they're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's a great camera shot through the hole in her body. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, man, when this came out, it's just like, who the fuck made this? Like, yeah. how, what, how, this is perfect. How did you make a perfect film and this is the first time we're hearing of you? Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I mean, from the script to the shots to everything. I mean, it's just... Well, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You could have never watched a single zombie movie and watch this and enjoy it as its own thing. But if you know all of the classics, you can get all kinds of other things out of it. I mean, even the soundtrack is music from like Romero movies and other stuff. Like it's it, chalked on. In that way, it kind of reminds me of uh, The Howling. Yeah. That there were so many nods to old werewolf movies in The Howling. Yeah. And I feel like that Shaun of the Dead, it was a love letter. Right. I love letters like that, but they don't alienate anybody. You can still watch it and enjoy it without that knowledge, which is fun. For sure. Like, Sean himself is a zombie. Like, honestly, you you call him a shoegazer, but he's a zombie at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, just doesn't pay attention to anything. He's got one goal in mind. Yeah. Doesn't want to step outside of his comfort zone at all. He's not living. He's just clocking in, clocking out. Existing. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's always the classic joke that you've got red on you. You've got red on you. (laughs) Yes. I, I do love uh, when he's at his job, though, before the zombies. <laughs> it's like the one kid. He's like, what are you, like 20-something? He's like, I'm 17. <laughs> he works for 4A Electric, which is great. Not <laughs> yeah, for he calls, uh, the kid calls him granddad at one point. <laughs> and he's only on the show, he's like 29. <laughs> <a> fucking 29! <laughs> Yeah, that's another great bit through the, like, everyone, and the, every one of the characters keeps saying that someone is sick at their work. Like, they haven't come in because they're sick. Like, oh, yeah. Even his roommate's like, I gotta go in because everyone's sick. Yeah, yeah I have a, I've not watched this movie since the... Uh, it's a little weird watching it now. 
Uh, I think the last time I watched it was pre pandemic. So, uh, I this and we, Silver uh, Bullet Man, I wear these two out. Yeah. So uh, they realize what's going on. They go get Sean's mother. They go get Sean's girlfriend and her roommates. <laughs> And uh, they're trying to figure out where to go. And the best place they can decide to go is the Winchester. Winchester. <laughs> you, you also left out, though, the stepdad, which I think this is the first movie that I recognize. Uh, like this in Underworld is yeah. the first time I think I experienced. Uh, is it Bill, Bill Nye? Yeah. yeah. Bill Nye. And now, Bill he's Nye. A, now he's in everything. Or, or he's always been in everything. Yeah, he's a staple of British television yeah. and movies. But his scene's great in the, in the back seat. Oh yeah, it, it's the. It's one the, of my favorite parts of the movie. It's that scene has real gravity to it. Like, yeah. Like that moment where he connects with Sean. Yep. Well, and I think, and, it's, and then Sean lets his feelings out about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's always shitting on him the whole time. He's his stepdad and blah blah blah. But then when that scene happens and Sean's a fucking mess, again, there's there's, it's so much fun. But they they do the horror elements so well, and then. They even hit you in the feels, so yeah. and they nail every note that they. Because that because prior to that too, where he's just trying to get his mom to get away, because he's even like he touched me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it also shows kind of the the range and brilliance that Simon Pegg has that he doesn't always get the credit for, um, because there's a particular scene or element of that scene where he screams at Frost to stop the car. Because he knows what's happening, and he can't get him to quit dicking off while he's yeah. driving, and he finally loses his cool, and it's it's upsetting. Like, and he completely sells it. It's such a good scene where he screams at him for that. But that's, man, like that's why this movie's so good because it's got the laughs, but it also has got the heart. And yeah. so we we take that moment, especially. I, I'm not super knowledgeable on on kind of british culture but i i don't think sharing feelings are a huge thing every day mm-hmm. uh and so i think that's why that scene has that gravity because they never have and so he's dying and he knows it and he's it, damn it's such a good scene where he's he's talking about like you know raising kids is not easy and i was always hard on you because i believed in you and it's so damn good. Yeah. I mean, and that's really, I think, where the movie catapults in the special because now it's like, okay, we've laid all of it out. We've got good zombie effects, we've got humor, and we've got heart. Let's see where this finishes up. Yeah. At the Winchester. You become invested at that point. Yeah. And it, it's it's great, too, when she's like, Sean, how's your dad? And it's after he has this meltdown and he dies, and he's like, he's he's not my dad. And she's like, Sean, you're too old, you're being silly. And he's like, no, I'm trying to tell you he's just not here he's dead now yeah. like you know yeah it's good boy glad we brought it up on there yeah glad we brought this down well i also <laughs> like too that they immediately don't give you time to feel too long because yeah. he's a zombie and yeah. now we've got to deal with being outside the car to get away from him like they don't waste time <laughs> the loud ass music comes back on <laughs> and the first thing the zombie does is turn the stereo off yep <laughs> wasn't well, the scene right after that where he is gonna jump the fence but ends up falling through it no, yeah. It's like, what's the matter? You never jumped a fence before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the subtleties are great. They get to the Winchester. They're kind of biding their time. They start kind of infighting. They find out Sean's mom has been bitten. Um, 
there's humor with the power kicking on and the jukebox kicking on. Kill the queen! What? <laughs> Let's not leave out the, the twat boyfriend. Yeah. Get fucked! Who, who is Why? just the shits through the whole thing. He looks like grown-up Harry Potter <laughs> dressed like Steve from Blue's Clues. Like it's, that guy is the absolute shits. Uh, so Sean, of course, is gutted because his mom has been bitten. And this dickhead's... Already got a gun in her face. Yeah. Like, not even giving Sean time to register anything. Which Stop pointing that gun at my uh, mom. Totally. Also, the first time he's he's picked up the gun to do anything. Yeah, yeah. the first time he's been proactive. Yeah. We're also leaning movie. back into Simon's acting because he's yelling at him. He's like, she's not even dead yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think Ed breaks a bottle. He's like, quit pointing that gun at Barbara. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the, to make it fair, he makes sure to hand that one off and break another. Or have the corkscrew. So yeah, that's their, right, to hand it to his girlfriend. That way it's a proper standoff. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was familiar with the actress who played his girlfriend from when I watched the British version of The Office. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. yeah. The original Pam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so now, it's funny now, when you go back and watch this... <clears throat> And you think of every piece of British television or cinema that you've seen since then. You're like, oh, they're in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they're in yeah. that. Yeah, because it's just a who's who of British acting. Let which... me tell you what this viewing did to me. It made me realize how much time has passed since this movie was made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't like to focus on yeah. that. Because I was like, but Jesus, it reminded it, how me. is this movie like almost 20 years old? Because the actress who was the original Pam from The Office who was in this, she was in... Uh, one of the, the was it the first Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot, and she plays like a much older, you know, like frumpy woman, and I'm like, oh man, they're 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 getting older, and so am I by by proxy. Damn you, time. Yep. Even when they're trying to make their way to the Winchester, they pass that other group of survivors yeah. in their mirror. And they're like bizarre, the other version of them. Yeah. mirror I, image. I think that uh, they're they're their counterpart on some of their TV shows. Probably. There's an interesting... Well, have, has anybody watched Spaced? I know of it, but I've never watched it's it. It's awesome. Edgar Wright did that before Shaun of the Dead and movies. But Simon Pegg, it's him and the girl that he runs into on the street that he runs into later. Oh, yeah. The, at the end. She was the main Shawn, star of Spaced you made with him. It. And so that was a big nod for okay. the fans of that show when he runs into her. Well, one of the people in the Bizarro group... Is Martin Freeman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, who was Tim? Jim. Who was the Jim? Yeah, Jim on the, the original. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who would go on to play, you know, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, you know, and mm-hmm. Watson. I mean, I mean, he's a he's a British superstar now. Yeah, yeah. So funny, so fun. So I think Matt Lewis is in the group too, which is he's in the um, uh, Little Britain show, and then he's in a bunch of. He's never really been a big star in American films, but he's. He's in like bridesmaids and mm. yeah, yeah, and you're some, right. And some stuff. <laughs> yep, you're right. You're right. Did you just hiss at me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so we we get to the Winchester. Things start to fall apart, and uh, we wind up down in the cellar, and we find out that Ed's been bitten. And, yeah, because uh, everyone else is dead except at this. I was point. gonna say you kind of skipped over. I'm like, we had to deal with stepdad, and then man. When he has to shoot his... Like, he old yellers his mom. That's rough. Great effect when a <laughs> grown-up Harry Potter gets his. Mm. Oh, that yeah, looks gets fantastic. Which, uh, through the window. Yeah. A nod the to uh, Day of the Day Dead, Day of the Dead yeah. to that asshole. So now we're in the basement 
with Ed having been bitten. You know what? Y'all can cover this. Sean. Now on. <laughs> I'm clearly, I'm not good enough for you. Sean, You've done Sean's great. <laughs> You've done okay. And then they find out what is there. They're trying to figure out how many bullets they have left if they need to off themselves. Yeah, because it's such a good scene leading up to that because they're, they get trapped within the bar. Because the bar gets overran finally, the zombies are in, and so they go out down through the floor there yeah. into the cellar. So, I mean, they're out of options. Yeah. In the cellar. Weird. <clears throat> You're trapped weird. in the cellar. Weird. Where have we heard this before. <laughs> uh, but luckily, they find out one of those street side elevators to unload product is in the basement, and they can get out. And Ed says he'll stay. Ed's going to stay. And not before him. he says he's sorry. <laughs> and he, he farts That's on him great, one more time. Little fart nod. <laughs> Man, I'm not gonna lie. Every time he gets his gets bit, I get upset. I'm like, did we? I'm okay with there being tough moments in these movies. There has to be some something at stake. But do we really have to do that? Like, come on, That's man. The it best hurts. Line. I don't think I have it in me to shoot my mom and my best friend in the same day. Yeah, yeah, it's a great line. But they don't shy away from from some unhappy endings in that regard so so they get rescued do you guys want to talk about the uniforms the guys are wearing mm. no I'm just making a joke here I'm <laughs> <laughs> picking apart my storytelling so they get rescued <laughs> <laughs> we jump to the future um, and uh, Sean and Liz are together and they live together in the old place and uh, they're they're watching you know like the, the their version of Jerry Springer with people who are still married to their zombie spouses and, uh, which is so spot on because that's exactly what would happen. And, uh, Sean says, go step out back to the shed for a few, you know, we're like, Oh, maybe he's gardening now, you know, but, uh, nope. Zombie Ed lives in the shed. Chained up playing video games. (laughs) And they get to play video games together. And and we close out with queen, right? On the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because it just, as bad as it sucks that Ed gets bit, Ed, Ed's still kind of living the same life that he was before. Yeah. Like, that's not that far off. Yeah, that's true. He tries to bite Sean. He's like, Ed! <laughs> he's like, ooh. Oh, the only other thing I want to mention is the great choreographed attack scene in the Winchester to Queen. Yeah. Um, which, <laughs> on a beat. Yeah, where they're all beating the, the first, the was it the former owner of the bar yeah. that's now a zombie do who's you, in there? Do you think, I, it looks to me like he's wearing padding. Yeah, but I think it was smart to have Guy him just can't be in, fat have him in padding, <laughs> shaming from the beginning instead right. of having a guy and then padding him later where it's completely obvious. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a smart. Move. It's against SAG rules, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, it is so that scene is just nailed it. Yeah, with the with the chore the choreographed beating of this guy to it, and it he would go on to show those skills in other movies uh, like Baby Driver has some crazy stuff with music that he incorporates with action. So he's got a real skill for needle drops and incorporating them into the What he did was music for Last Night in Soho. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack on there, the use of it. Definitely. Yeah, man. Like, it's groundbreaking. Like, it really is. Like, when this came out, it just blew everybody's mind. Yeah, there's a story that uh, Wright had had went out... uh, for lunch with Ricky Gervais and was talking about this movie and they're getting ready to make it and he goes are you serious with that fucking name Shaun of the Dead do you really think anybody's gonna watch a movie called Shaun of the Dead it's horrible and it was just like a joke amongst all of them 
they all, I mean, just people in the industry there thought it was going to tank because it was a bad name. It's like people aren't going to care that it's a play on, uh, you know, it's Romero's movie from decades ago. And it worked just fine. But, I mean, if you really think about it, if it... So fuck you, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, if it, had, if, if it <laughs> hadn't ended up... son of a bitch. If it hadn't ended up being so funny and a classic, you could totally see this name being a, a bargain yeah. bin movie. Oh, yeah. But... A faux buster. I mean, there yeah. is one of the dead, and I've never seen it. Don't waste your time. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. All right. It's one of those movies you got to watch a few times. You catch something every single time. It's just great. This is well. And then uh, I'm not. I feel like I need to rewatch the third one. But the the Hot Fuzz. I do love Hot Fuzz. But this is the Cornetto trilogy. So Hot Fuzz. World's End. Whatever. (laughs) Cornetto Potato. Whatever. (laughs) Um. Because they, they tried to get him to do a sequel, and that's he's like, no, oh, we don't want to do a sequel. We did. That's why we did Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Yeah, he'll need a sequel. Um, but no, this movie did. Alone. I'm surprised they haven't tried to do an American remake yet, though. Yeah, I'm shocked on that. Uh, and uh, again, John of the Dead. This uh, this movie was made for four million, and it went on to make thirty million. So in your mm-hmm. face, Ricky. Suck it, Ricky. All I mean, right. is it? Uh, I'd like to hear everyone's opinion. Like, what? Where does this rank your top five like horror comedies? Is it? It's oh, got to be near the top, top three. Oh. Top three, yeah. Mm. Easy top five, yeah. E- yeah, easily in the top five. I don't know what order, but definitely in the top five. Yeah, I, I, it, it's in my top three. I would put it right up there with Abbott and Stella Meet Frankenstein because I think American World from London is also up there, but it's also I almost put horror first then comedy Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Whereas this, I put comedy first yes. and then horror. So I mean, it's it's right up there. We are boring Grizzly Abner. Uh, tired, <laughs> tired of hearing your shit. So, <laughs> All right. Good. Good so, comment. yes. Would you recommend it? 100%. 100, 100, 110%. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen it yet, what the fuck are you even doing? <laughs> yeah, why are you listening to this show? Tis a, a monster piece. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, wrapping up another installment of Monsterpiece Theater, we've had fun. Hope you have too. I am Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Jason the McRibicola. Yeah, buddy. Piss on the Yankees. Piss on the Indians. Piss on the Phillies. <laughs> you can't bet managers. You can't bet managers. Stay scary. <laughs>